98K News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Todd Harding. Tonight's headlines. Many of those arrested in yesterday's national security crackdown are freed on bail while the United States threatens more sanctions over the arrest, and Donald Trump pledges an orderly transition to a Joe Biden presidency. Some of the 53 national security suspects arrested yesterday in a dramatic police operation targeting those involved in an alleged plot to paralyse the government have been freed on bail, as news emerged that two prominent activists, Joshua Wong and Tam Tak Chi, have also been arrested on subversion charges. Priscilla Ng reports. Joshua Wong was already serving time over his role in organizing a protest outside police headquarters in 2019. And a post on his social media account said he has now also been arrested under the national security law. The post said he was taken to the Lai Chikok Reception Center, where it said he was questioned without a lawyer present. It said he gave a statement there before he was taken back to Shekpik Prison to continue serving his 13-and-a-half-month sentence he was handed last month for organizing an unauthorized assembly and inciting others to take part in it. Wong is believed to be suspected of subversion, along with more than 50 other pro-democracy figures caught up in a wave of arrests. Meanwhile, sources said Tam Tuk Chi, more commonly known as Fast Beat, was also informed of his arrest at the Lai Chi Kok Reception Center, where he is being held for sedition charges pending a trial in May. Roundtable lawmaker Michael Teen is urging the authorities to provide a better explanation for the arrest operation. He says he can't see how the pan-Democrats could have violated the national security law just by holding primary elections. Mr Teen says there may be a problem with the national security bill if it was meant to cover motives rather than just acts. What we see uh, on, the, on the surface is that holding a primary doesn't seem to be unlawful and if they did get into a let's go, pressing a button, casting their vote is not unlawful. So therefore, my contention is that is there something wrong with the drafting of the National Security Bill if the original intention was to deal with the motive rather than the methodology? The U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo has threatened to levy sanctions on those involved in the arrest of 53 people in Hong Kong yesterday, calling the police operation an assault on the Hong Kong people. Richard Pine has details. In a late-night statement after a day of violence in the U.S. capital, Mike Pompeo said the arrested Hong Kong people should be released immediately and unconditionally. Hong Kong police arrested 53 people on suspicion of subversion in the force's biggest national security operation since the law was enacted last year. The U.S. Secretary of State said Washington would not stand idly by while the people of Hong Kong suffer under communist oppression. He said individuals and organizations who were involved in the mass arrest could face sanctions and other restrictions, and the U.S. government would explore restrictions on the Hong Kong Economic and Trade Office in Washington. Mr. Pompeo also said he was appalled by the arrest of an American lawyer in the city, John Clancy. Let me be clear, he said, the United States will not tolerate any arbitrary detention or harassment of U.S. citizens. In the same statement, Mr. Pompeo announced the U.S. ambassador to the United Nations, Kelly Kraft, would travel to Taiwan without giving a date for her visit. Beijing responded forcefully to Mr. Pompeo's remarks, with Foreign Ministry spokeswoman Hua Chunying warning that the U.S. would pay a heavy price for its wrongdoing. Ms. Hua urged the U.S. to immediately stop interfering in China's internal affairs. The government here has responded to the threat of sanctions by saying it would not be intimidated and insisted that all the arrests were lawful and based on evidence. 
The United States Congress has officially confirmed Joe Biden's win in the November presidential election. Vice President Mike Pence, as Senate President, read out the declaration after the final Republican objections were overruled. He was informed of the result by one of the tellers, Democratic Senator Amy Klobuchar. The report we make is that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris will be the president and the vice president according to the ballots that have been given to us. Hours earlier, there had been clashes on Capitol Hill, leaving four people dead after the complex was overrun by a mob incited by President Trump's unproven claims about a rigged election. Mr Trump has since promised an orderly transition where Mr Biden takes office on January the 20th. You're listening to RTHK. The time is coming up to five minutes past 11. The mainland's internet has erupted in glee at America's troubled democracy, with Beijing criticising the sharp contrast between Washington's response to the chaos and the anti-government protests here in 2019. Priscilla Ng has details. State media tabloid Global Times tweeted side-by-side photo comparisons of Hong Kong protesters occupying the Lechko complex with the riots in Washington. In a tweet, the tabloid said, Nancy Pelosi once referred to the Hong Kong riots as a beautiful sight to behold. It remains yet to be seen whether she will say the same about the recent developments in Capitol Hill. China's Communist Youth League also described the unrest as a beautiful sight on Weibo. The foreign ministry echoed those sentiments, saying the reaction of some people in the U.S., including that of some media outlets, is completely different. At a press briefing, ministry spokeswoman Hua Chunying said that the sharp contrast and reactions makes one ponder and deserves serious and profound reflection. Some Hong Kong lawmakers also put up social media posts. The DAB's Anqiang said American lawmakers can finally see what it's like to have their Congress occupied. Junius Ho, meanwhile, said the Americans have gotten a taste of their own medicine. In his Facebook post, the lawmaker noted that what happened in Washington was worse than the storming of Lechko here because there were fatalities. The comparisons also sparked an online debate in Hong Kong, with some pointing out the stark differences in the causes and motivations of the two legislative stormings. Former student activist Joey Siu said in a tweet, Let me be clear, there is no way for anyone to justify what is happening in the States today with what happened in Hong Kong. Yes, both went inside the legislative chamber, but one with determination to sacrifice for defending democracy and one trying to damage it. The national security case involving teenage activist Tony Chung is heading to the district court. Timmy Song has more. During a brief hearing at the West Kowloon Court, the prosecution rearranged the order of the charges facing the 19-year-old and amended some of the details. Charge number one has been changed to conspiracy to publish seditious material, followed by one count of secession and two counts of money laundering. On the suspicious material charge, he is now accused of committing the acts between April 29th and October 27th last year. Previously, the alleged offences were set to take place from November 30th, 2018 to June 9th last year. The defendant is also accused of organising, planning, committing or participating in acts with other people with a view to commit secession between July the 1st and October the 27th last year. No application was made and he was remanded in custody. The case is now being transferred to a higher court at the request of prosecutors. 
The next hearing is slated for the 28th of this month at the district court, during which he is expected to enter a plea. The teenager is the second person charged under the national security law. Former Democratic Party chairman Wu Chi-wai has appeared in court accused of violating his bail conditions in relation to a BNO passport he allegedly holds. Mr Wu and seven other pro-democracy activists were granted bail last month after they were charged with inciting people to join unauthorised protests on July the 1st last year. They were ordered not to leave Hong Kong and to surrender all their travel documents. But Mr Wu has now been accused of keeping a valid BNO passport at home, despite the court order. A hearing at West Kowloon Court was adjourned to tomorrow and he was remanded in custody for the night. The former lawmaker is also one of those arrested in yesterday's national security crackdown. RTHK has dismissed reports that its head, Learn Car Wing, had banned staff from interviewing any of the 50-plus people arrested yesterday on subversion allegations. Mr Learn met with union representatives in the evening and assured them that he had only given a gentle reminder to adopt a prudent approach and follow established editorial guidelines. In a statement, the broadcaster noted that it's generally considered inappropriate to publish or set up interviews with arrestees following prosecution. The jury probing the death of university student Chauncey Locke during the anti-government protest in 2019 has been told by the coroner to make a judgment based on the evidence presented in court, not their personal views. Violet Wong reports. Coroner David Coe has started to give instructions to the five-member jury. He said police and protesters have different opinions about the case, but the jurors should not decide if anyone was in the right or wrong simply out of their own beliefs. Mr Ko added there was no evidence showing the University of Science and Technology student had taken part in a protest near the Changkwano car park, where he was later found seriously injured following an apparent fall. He said police could not find a helmet or other protest-related gear in Mr Chow's bag, and the jurors should not speculate on his reason for being in the car park. Mr Ko believes a shadow captured by a security camera indeed showed Mr Chow falling, saying the time of the footage matched the other evidence. He also said it's up to the jurors to accept or reject which of the 48 witness testimonies and 142 pieces of evidence that was submitted to the court. Health officials say officers from the discipline services will be trained up to track down people who've come into contact with COVID patients. Dr Chuang Chukwan from the Centre for Health Protection says 100 officers from the police force as well as immigration and customs departments will help track down close contacts at their homes if they can't be reached over the phone. Around 100 um, officers from the disciplinary force uh, will come to work in the Kaita Community Centre to help with the contact tracing work uh, of the confirmed case. Um, we will give them briefing and then we will provide on-the-job training because uh, the training may involve uh, actual working under supervision. Hong Kong reported 33 new coronavirus infections today, 29 of which are locally acquired. Five new, newly confirmed patients contracted the virus via unknown sources. The provincial capital of Hebei province, which surrounds Beijing, is in de facto lockdown, according to state media, and local officials have been reprimanded for a COVID-19 outbreak there. Vicky Wong has more. The National Health Commission have reported 120 new coronavirus cases in northern Hebei province. 69 of them are asymptomatic cases. The outbreak has prompted mass testing, school closures and the suspension of travel links in and out of the province. 
The state-backed tabloid The Global Times says the provincial capital Shijiazhuang is in de facto lockdown with the majority of flights in and out of the city cancelled, trains suspended, major highways closed and intercity bus travel halted. The local disciplinary commission said three officials from Shijiazhuang's Gaocheng district had been reprimanded for their handling of the outbreak. It claimed the officials had allowed a woman who tested positive for COVID-19 to leave the area. Gaocheng district, the epicentre of the outbreak, has been declared high risk and sealed off. Local authorities say tens of thousands of residents have been tested for the virus. A former chairman of China Development Bank, Hu Huaibang, has been sentenced to life in prison for bribery, marking the second high-profile financial executive sentenced in a week. The Chengde Intermediate People's Court of Hebei Province said in a statement that Hu, who was arrested last February, was convicted of receiving bribes totaling more than 85 million yuan, spanning a decade. Who joined the China Development Bank in 2013 and was also the top official of the ruling Communist Party unit at one of the country's largest policy banks. This comes after a court in Tianjin sentenced the former chairman of China Huarong Asset Management Corp, Lai Xiaomin, to death earlier this week. He was convicted of receiving or seeking almost 1.8 billion yuan in bribes. The Japanese government has announced a new state of emergency for Tokyo and surrounding areas to combat record levels of COVID-19 infections. The BBC's Will Leonardo has more details. For the next month, residents of the Greater Tokyo area, the world's largest metropolis, will be urged to stay home after 8pm. Bars and restaurants will be asked to close early and homeworking will be encouraged. But as under the first nationwide emergency declaration last April, the measures won't be legally enforced. Instead, subsidies will likely be offered to businesses that comply and officials may name and shame those who don't. Japan, with the lowest COVID death rate among G7 countries, has managed to avoid the strict lockdowns of Europe and America. But Tokyo's leaders have been calling for a reluctant national government to take more action as cases surge. The World Health Organization's Europe office has warned the continent is facing such an alarming situation that measures against the spread of COVID-19 will have to be intensified. The BBC's Imogen Folks reports. Many European countries are already in lockdown, but the WHO's Europe office believes yet more restrictions may be necessary to try to slow the rapid spread of COVID-19. Vaccines are becoming available, but not fast enough to keep up. Today, WHO Europe backed the recommendation of the organization's scientists that a short delay of up to six weeks between doses of the Pfizer vaccine as opposed to the manufacturer's recommended three to four weeks, could be considered in countries facing high transmission rates and vaccine shortages. A reminder of our top stories tonight. Many arrested in yesterday's national security crackdown are freed on bail. The United States threatens more sanctions over the arrests and Donald Trump pledges an orderly transition to a Joe Biden presidency. The news from RTHK. In our newsroom, thanks to Todd Harding, we'll have more headlines... At midnight. Late night music. Kevin Lewis. Radio 3. Here's Aretha Franklin.
Radio 3, uh, 19 minutes before, uh, 19 minutes after 11. And uh, I say a little prayer, originally um, uh, written by Bert Baccarat and Hal David for Dionne Warwick uh, back in that 1967. Uh, that version from a year later was uh, from uh, Aretha Franklin from her album Aretha Now. From the 60s, we're going to go to uh, 1972. This is Timmy Thomas. Recorded in mono, I always wonder about that. Bossa Nova style percussion from 1972. 